What's up? What's up? This is Zach Boschman checking in. You are listening to the Citizen Truth Podcast, and we are so excited today to have Executive Director of Link, Frankie Roberts, on the podcast today. Frankie, let's get right into it, man. What is Link? Well, Link is a residential reentry program, and we do just more. We do a lot more than just. Um, residential work, but we provide support services for people who have been formerly incarcerated. And it stands for leading into new communities. So let's get into that a little bit. Uh, What's the story behind the name leading into new communities and how does that kind of tie into the mission? So one of our um, goals were when we first started was we wanted to know what would a community look like um, if people coming out of prison was treated like equals and people recognized that when a person has served their time that they would become a citizen without any biases and what would it look like without the label. And so we came up with leading into new communities because that was our objective to make communities and new communities by providing support services so that a person can jump right back into society where, where they started off or where they left off. That's awesome. So I want to get sort of into your story a little bit. Um, why why help the formerly incarcerated? You know, why have you devoted uh, your life to this? So um, in 1968, uh, my brother uh, was drafted into the United States Army. And shortly after being drafted into the Army, he was deployed to Vietnam. And so once he got to Vietnam, he found himself um, struggling with a heroin addiction. Um, So he did a successful deployment. And unfortunately, uh, when he came back to the States, he was um, he was stationed at Fort Bragg in Fedville, North Carolina. And so since he was struggling, he went to his commanding officer and volunteered to go back for a second tour. Um, And certainly my mother wondered why would he volunteer to go back if he didn't have to. And, and, um, but he went back because uh, certainly you can get heroin in Vietnam, like going to the corner store. So he went back. And so he came back, he was the honorably discharged in 1971. I was eight years old um, and he moved back into the household uh, with my parents, uh, myself and my other brother. He was the oldest, I was a baby. And so as an eight-year-old in the house with a brother that was struggling, I became bitter and unforgiving. And I used to treat him like the scum of the earth. And so, um, yeah, about four years later, he found himself uh, convicted of armed robbery. Um, So that was my day of triumph, at least I thought it was, Mm -hmm. until my parents then 
made me go to visitation at the prison every Sunday. And I say, man, I'm a, I am ain't going to ever get my attention back as the baby in the family. So probably, I think it was, uh, yeah, I went on. I, I'm, I'm from Wilmington originally. I graduated from John T. Hargett High School. So by the time I graduated, he was out of prison. Um, I had uh, became a barber. Uh, so I was running a barber shop. And so when he got out of prison, he found himself back in the throes of addiction, started coming to the barbershop, begging customers for money. So my resentment, uh, yeah, it surfaced again. And so it got to be about late 1997. Yeah, it was late 1997. Um, I was going through, um, I would call it an awakening. Uh, and during that awakening, um, I realized that I had treated my brother um, like the scum of the earth, and I had been doing things that were wrong and selling drugs, but I never looked at that as um, almost, I didn't look at it as hypocrisy, but that's what it was. Mm -hmm. So I, as I got myself together, uh, one day, um, it just kind of came to me, Frankie, if it wasn't for God's grace, that could have been you. And so the following year, 1998, March the 11th, my brother was having a minor procedure at the hospital. And that day, God put it on my heart that I needed to go apologize for all of the years that I mistreated my brother. And so I called my mother that morning and asked her how did this procedure go? And she said, Frankie, it went well. I just talked with them. He's in a room. They're going to keep him overnight for observation. And I told her what was on my heart. I was going to run out to the hospital and apologize. And so she gave me his room number. And I, I told her, I said, as soon as I finish up at the barbershop, I'm going to run out there real quick. So it was about 1030 that morning. I had gotten to my car, getting ready to leave. And one of the barbers ran out and said, Frankie, somebody wants you on the phone. And I said, tell him I'll call him back. I got to go take care of something really quick. And so he said, um, you might want to take this call. So I went to the phone and it was uh, my sister-in-law telling me he had just died. Wow. Um, so the agency was born out of that experience. I'm the co-founder. The other co-founder name was Tracy Ray. We got together and we put together an organization um, and we um, dedicated it to working with people coming out of prison. So for me, I guess you could say it was redemption work or oh, it is redemption work. And, one and so your, we jumped right in and got started. That's awesome. So one of your buildings is named after your brother. Is that right? Yeah. So we... Uh, we started in 2000 as a volunteer organization. Then we started a 10-bed campus. And then in 2012, we opened a 45-bed campus. And uh, we thought it would be great if we named that campus after my brother. So it is called the Marvin E. Roberts Transitional Campus. So, yeah. we um, So, yeah. So it's a reminder every day. That's great. I'm sure he'd be proud of you now. Um, so let's talk about people like your brother, you know, people who, uh, were formerly incarcerated, uh, and those people that you help, 
what are some of the biggest issues that they face when they're returning to their communities? Um, believe it or not, the biggest, the biggest challenge, I think, uh, what I would say we have learned over time, they face people like me, like I used to be. <laughs> um, believe it or not, it is John. It is John Q. Public that treats people um, like unequals, uh, treats people like the scum of the earth, and reminds people um, of their worst mistake. And nobody wants to be reminded of their worst mistake. And so I would say that's the biggest issue. Other issues are issues like, um, let's see, transportation. Um, I, that that that's actually a biggie. Um, I'm sure in the South, in Wilmington, North Carolina, yeah, the, and other yeah, cities in the South, public transportation isn't very good. And and really, just the everyday support uh, that a person needs in order to be successful. Um, not being able to pay probation fees, uh, employers because they have that criminal history, do not want to hire a person with a criminal history. Uh, and so as people, as people discriminate, yeah, they'll, those barriers just start to mount up. And so a person typically says, man, I might as well just go on back to prison. Mm -hmm. So as a result, you know, we have a recidivism rate at one point was almost 61%. And that was 61% of people would be rearrested and reincarcerated within three years of their release. Wow. And, um, and yeah, and primarily because um, when you make it hard to do the right thing, then the wrong thing becomes so easy to do. Mm -hmm. So, Frankie, what would you say um, to? these employers out here, you know, who are, are thinking in their head, you know, maybe I should uh, take a chance on somebody that was formerly incarcerated? Well, I would tell an employer, um, if you think about it, a person that's coming out of prison, if they get, if they know that the, the chance that they're going to get or the second chance they're going to get is limited, those become the best employees when somebody gives them a chance. So probably about uh, in 2016, we uh, set up a meeting between our county manager and our city manager, and we had a person come in and talk about an initiative that's happening all over the country um, that's called Ban the Box. And what that means is we ask employers to take the box off the initial application that asks if you've ever been convicted of a crime. And we call it delaying the question further in the process. So a person come, you don't have to disclose that information until they say that, hey, we are gonna hire you. At that moment, you would then do a background check or a criminal history check and if the criminal history is not in direct um, opposition or challenge to the position, 
then they would have to automatically hire you. Um, but if you have been convicted of, let's say, um, uh, what's one of the ones, uh, let's say forgery, then you wouldn't necessarily legally be able to get a job as a cashier. Mm -hmm. um, so in those cases, that's why you still would have to do a criminal background check. And people, even if I don't have a criminal history and I'm applying for a job, they're going to do a criminal check anyway. So why not just delay it in the process instead of sometimes forcing people to lie? <laughs> yeah. Because I'm going to say I don't have one if the evidence shows every time I've applied and I put that on the application, I get denied. And so I would tell employers to just delay the question further in the process, because otherwise you would miss out on some very excellent employees. Yeah, I'm sure uh, banning the box, you know, keeps them from just dismissing a person immediately, you know. And, and by the way, we were able to convince our county to ban the box for county employees. And um, as a result, they have seen the data would show they have seen the increase, number one, in great hiring practices. It keeps you out of the fray of an EEOC case. And um, they would say that the stick to and the longevity of individuals since 2016 has been phenomenal. That's awesome. Um, so how many people is Link uh, currently helping right now or currently working with? So in our residential campus today, we are right at about 32 residents. Um, and we end up typically helping about 100 a year in our residential campus. We also have a day program um, where we help anybody um, that's not in our residence, but we provide uh, everyday support like transportation, um, rental assistance, um, um, uh, case management where we help people with substance use treatment um, and cognitive behavior intervention, which is working on the thinking. Um, and so in that program, we are helping about 300 a year. Wow. So is that a number right now currently meeting the demand uh, of people oh, coming yeah. out of? No. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think in Wilmington last year, probably the last 12 months, um, it's probably been about right at 700 people returning to our community. And we, yeah, we might touch 20% of that. Wow. And that's, you will typically see that in a lot of urban centers like ours especially in Wilmington, it's a service-oriented economy. So people really try to come to this area um, because it's gonna be pretty easy to get a job um, at restaurants, hotels, and, um, and construction because the construction industry right now is booming. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, what would you say to someone 
who hopes to start maybe a similar organization in their city? I would say start with, and we do this now. In fact, the state has adopted this approach, not from us, but one of our colleagues. I would say start what you call is a local reentry council first. Um, and what the local reentry council does is it is a clearinghouse um, where you bring all of the service providers to a table once a month and it helps you kind of organize that community around reentry issues, um, uh, areas of support, how you can support people coming out of prison. So if you're thinking about starting it, it's best to start with just kind of organizing those community supports that you will need to provide the level of support that it requires for a person to successfully um, turn their setbacks into comebacks. And so start that and then just kind of, uh, I always tell, share with people, it's always best to provide housing and then wrap the support services around that individual because um, most of the time when a person comes out of prison, they are homeless with nobody to turn to or that will support them, or they have burnt all their bridges and then a person come, becomes like me. I don't want to be bothered. <laughs> so if they burnt them bridges with their family, the family don't want them to come back, then yeah, you got to uh <laughs> you got to you got to have support. And housing would be what I would recommend should be like the first staple uh that you want to try to pr provide. Then it becomes a lot more manageable to provide transportation case management, um, uh, substance use services, and employability services, um, job placement. Yeah, that becomes kind of kind of easier because you have, uh, number one, you are controlling the person's people, places, and things. Because if, normally when you come out, if you don't have a place, then you're going to end up going back to the place where you got in trouble or the neighborhood that might not be the neighborhood to that's going to support you doing the right thing. Frankie, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. And, uh, you know, just one last question here. If people want to find out more about Link, you know, how it works, et cetera, um, and, you know, maybe more information so they can, you know, support a similar program in their city. Um, you know, how can, how can they find out more about Link? So the, one of the best ways is go to our website, which is linc.org, or they can give us a call at 910-332-1135. And that's my direct extension. And my assistant, if I don't answer the phone, my assistant will lead a person um, in the right direction. Frankie, thanks again, man. I appreciate it.
Well, thank you, Zach, for the opportunity. Zach Boschman here, co-owner of CitizenTruth.org. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Citizen Truth podcast. The intro and outro song is Enthusiast by Tours and is provided via the Creative Commons license. Please subscribe and check us out at CitizenTruth.org.